Well, we're going to be in Romans chapter 1 tonight. Romans chapter 1. And Mike's not lying when he said, uh, I'm the sappy one. I'm not going to lie, I almost teared up when he was uh, doing his little story there. So, uh. But we're going to be, again, Romans chapter 1 tonight. I'll tell you, it's been a it's been a heavy week for me. I'll just be honest with you. I'll be transparent with you uh, for a quick minute. Uh, it's been a heavy week. Um, you know, Lord's uh, Lord's definitely showing me some things this week, and uh, I'll be honest, I was struggling as I was preparing for the study. You know, wondering what am I going to teach on, and then uh, got some terrible news that a good friend passed away, um, and uh, you know, it hit me hard, and um, so. I was praying about what the Lord was going to show me, what was going to, he was going to use me to teach you guys tonight. And uh, he just, I, I've been listening um, to Chuck Smith last, about the last month and listening through Romans. And I'm just like, you know what? Romans chapter one, it's just, you know, it's just such a great, I, I think it's just such a great chapter. And it spoke to me so much. And so Lord kept putting that on my heart. And so that's where we're going to be at tonight. So let's begin with a word of prayer. And then we'll go ahead and jump right in. Father God, we thank you so much that your word is alive. That you are alive. That your work did not end with you dying on the cross for us, Lord, but it continued when you rose from the grave, when you conquered death for our sins, that we can be united with you for eternity, Lord, even when we are done in this earth. Lord, we know this life is like a vapor, Lord, but you are eternal. And we thank you for that promise that you have given us, Lord, that if we, Lord, are strong in the faith, Lord, that we, if we follow you wholeheartedly, Lord, that you would bless us beyond imagination, Father God, that you would redeem us and purify us. Lord, we thank you for that promise. And as we just jump into your word tonight, Lord, Father God, we ask that you would just use me in a mighty way, Father God. I know I'm weak right now, Lord, but you are so much stronger. So I pray that you would just speak in a mighty way to your people tonight, Father God, to myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Romans chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17. But Before we go into there, you know, there's a great little story I want to, uh, to talk to you guys about. So it was May 24th, 1738. <clears throat> There was a missionary, a man who was, who was very discouraged. He was very weary. And he goes unwillingly to this religious meeting in London. And while he was there, a miracle happened. And this missionary, he took out his journal. He started writing in it. And he wrote this. He said, half past nine, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I know now that I trust in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. And I am assured that he has taken away my sins and has saved me from the law of sin and death. Well, this missionary, this man, his name was John Wesley. I'm sure you guys have heard of him before. And the miracle that he is referring to was a message from a man who was simply just reading Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. And through this message, John Wesley started a revival, not only in himself, but a revival that swept through England and transformed the nation. 
And the verse that brought him out of this mere religiosity and into joy and salvation by grace through faith was in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Now, I'm not going to read it just yet. We're, we're, we're going to get there. I'm going to save it for a little later in the study. But just like John Wesley was encouraged and transformed and renewed, not just by Martin Luther's written words, but more importantly, the written words of our Lord God, our Savior. In Romans, this book, you guys, is still transforming people to this day, and that's what I want to speak about. And and, and it excites me to just imagine that this book that you and I can read, that we can study, that inspired men like John Wesley, that inspired men like Martin Luther, Paul the Apostle, who wrote these words, Pastor Chuck, all these great men and women who have served God with an amazing purpose. That we get the chance to, to, to live these words, to read these words, to study these words. And if we let it grip us, if we let it shape us and mold us, you guys, I can, I can assure you that we can do amazing things just like Paul did. Just like he's still doing right now with his words. So we're going to break it down. Like I said, we're going to be in verses 1 through 17. We're going to break it down into four sections. Section 1 is going to be, for you note takers, section 1 is going to be verse 1, and it's going to be Paul introducing himself to the Roman Christians. Section 2 is going to be verses 2 through 6, and it's going to be about Paul introducing his gospel, the Lord's gospel, to the Romans. Paul introducing his gospel to the Romans. Verses 7 through 15, it's going to be Paul's desire to come to Rome. And then closing in verses 16 and 17, Paul's going to introduce the theme of this letter, this, this book of Romans, as well as the righteousness of God as revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and jump into the text in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. I'm going to stop right there. Bondservant. I want to talk about that for a second. Now, I'm sure we hear that word, that, that title, many times throughout the Bible. Bondservant. And I'm sure a good majority of you guys know what it means. But I'm always moved by that title, when, especially in this context, and I want to kind of touch base on that for a second. And for those of you guys or women who don't know, a bondservant is someone who is willing, who willingly becomes a slave at his master's disposal. And at that time, you guys, a slave is considered property. They're not considered a person, a human. They're property. And yet we have a, a man here named Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, who is willingly giving himself to the Lord to be used as a tool, as a vessel. Paul's one goal in life was to serve Christ. He was called 
to be an apostle. And he was sent by the Holy Spirit to, to witness the gospel, the good news, to the Gentiles. And in loving devotion to the Lord, you guys, Paul had enslaved himself to Christ to be his servant and to obedience. I'm sure that many of you guys know, we, we see Paul do amazing things through the Word. And we see that he's also called not just to be a, 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 a bondservant of Jesus, he's also called to be an apostle. An apostle means one who is sent by authority with commission. And in application to this, this day and age where Paul's at right now, in that day it was someone who was a, a representative, an ambassador a, a, of an emperor or a king. It was a, it was a position of authority. It held power. But notice this. He, he calls himself a servant first. He calls himself a servant of our God first. And then the other things come after that. How often do we do that? How often do we claim to be one thing first and then something else second or third? Right? Do, do, do people see me and, and say, oh, that's JJ, he, he, he's that banker at that one bank. Or that's, or that's JJ, he used to be uh, really good at baseball in high school. Or do they see you, do they see me and say, hey, he or she is that, that man or that woman who loves Jesus. He's that, he's that Jesus freak, that, that churchgoer. That's a compliment, right? That's how they saw Paul in this day and age. Because if we see ourselves through the eyes of the world, our identity of this world, you guys, Rather than the spiritual, there's a problem. But Paul saw himself the way he wanted to be recognized, as a servant of the Lord. I mean, if it was me personally, if I'm being honest, you know, I'd, be, I'd be spiritually flexing that apostle title. You know, show, showing off the spiritual gun show. Like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an apostle. Sorry, there's not much here gun show right now, literally, but... But I mean, me, in my flesh, I would be, I'd be showing that off. Yeah, I'm that guy. But now Paul, he, he is so humble. He is so coming to, to, to these people in humiliation, knowing that it's not by him, but it's by the Lord, that these works are even possible. He sees himself as a servant of the Lord first and everything else comes after that. But we're going to jump to the next section, chapter, or in verses 2 through 6. Now Paul's going to introduce his gospel to the Romans. Verse 2, it says, Which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for His name, verse 6, 
among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. You guys, this gospel, it is, it is not new. This gospel has been spoken before. You know, it's not a, a clever brand new invention, you know, of, of another man from another time, from another place. And, and, and Paul's world at this time was very much like ours. I'm sure you guys can all remember waking up Christmas morning or, or on the day of your birthday. I know for some of you guys, you know, it's quite a while ago. And you're really wanting that, that new toy, right? That, that one thing you've been wanting so bad for your birthday for Christmas. You're just like, gosh, I, can't, I know I'm going to get it. I cannot wait to get it. I just know it. If you're like me, maybe you peeked in your closet and you already knew you were going to get it when you shouldn't have. And, and, and you open that gift, you get it, and you're, and you're stoked on life. You're so excited. Freaking out. And you're playing with it all day. You know, maybe, maybe you sleep with it because you just love it so much. You just can't be separated from it. And then after a few days or, or, or weeks or, or maybe if you're really committed, you know, a few months, you know, after playing with it, where does that toy go that you were so crazy about? Maybe it ends up in, in, the, uh, in the closet. Maybe it ends up lost under your bed somewhere. Or if you're like me, you didn't really take good care of your stuff and you probably broke it. It's in the trash can now. Um, well, that's what this world was. It was filled with people who liked the next new thing. The new teachings. The new teachers. The so-called new doctrines. They wanted what was exciting to them. What was new. What was shiny. It was fancy. And then they get bored of it. They toss it aside. And they go on to the next new thing. And the next new thing. I'm sure you guys know. It keeps going on and on. But nevertheless, guys, Paul didn't bring something new. But something old. Very old. In the plan of God. And that was Jesus Christ. The center of Christianity. The center of our faith. Our salvation. His gospel. Who was and is and forever will be. And he says there, he says, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul consider, he considers himself to be the chief of sinners because of persecution that he brought to the church before he was saved. Because of his efforts to destroy the church, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And yet, we constantly see in Paul's life, you guys, that he was touched by God's grace. By the grace of God. This this unmerited favor, so to speak. And we see it's a, it's a common thing throughout Paul's life, you guys. 
And I think we as the church need to make sure that we understand God's grace towards us. You guys, Paul's gospel, the Lord's gospel, it impacted and today it still impacts individual lives, just like we spoke of John Wesley and Martin Luther, just to name a few, a very, very few. Just like the apostles and the prophets and the, of the word of God. This isn't just some theory or philosophy that's just gone with the wind after so many months or years, you guys. It's not some spiritual voodoo to, to force you into a, a certain lifestyle. It's not some cult to make you do this or that or to conform to certain ways. This is life-changing good news. News that, that, that transforms lives. News that saves souls. News that has that's power and, and meaning and a, and a promise of salvation. If only that we receive it and, and live it day in and day out. See, it's one thing to, to, to know that, that, that word. It's another to live it. It says that the gospel gave Paul and the church grace and apostleship. We see that in verse 5. Through him we have received grace and apostleship. And one reason that those two gifts were given was to produce obedience to the faith. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Obedience to the faith, you guys. First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two says this. It says so. Samuel said, "Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams." You guys, the Lord doesn't want your works. He doesn't want anything that you have to offer this world. He wants your obedience. He wants your obedience. The Bible says that our, our, our works are nothing more than, than filthy rags. Our salvation doesn't come by our works, you guys. It comes by Jesus Christ. It comes by, by living His faith. Again, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to live it. Yeah, it's great. You can talk the talk. You can memorize all the scriptures that you want. I guarantee you there's a million other guys who know way more scripture than myself or, or Pastor Mike or Reggie. But none of that means anything if we are not truly like Paul is. Recognizing the grace, the love, of Jesus Christ in our lives and what it can do for us. Only if we let it. Let's read verses 7 through 15 now. And we're going to talk about Paul's desire to, to come to Rome. It says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, verse 8, first, 
I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve. With my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if, by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Verse 11. For I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of you and me. Now I do not want you, verse 13, to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. Verse 15, so as much as is in me, I am all ready to preach. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. So if you've read the books of, that Paul has written, you always see that he starts, he always starts his book off, his books off, his, his letters with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a reason that he says that in that order. Grace and peace. We cannot know the peace of God, you guys, until we know the, the grace of God. And it is not until you know the grace of God that you can even enter into the rest that, that God has for his people with that peace. When we always try, you guys, to, to be good enough for God of our own works, we're, we're always going to be struggling. We're always going to fail. It, it's impossible. We can't. The Bible clearly speaks about how, our, our, again, our, our works is nothing but filthy rags. Our works will never be good enough. And because of that, we, we will never be at peace. It's only when we come to the place, you guys, where we understand that it is God's work and God's love for you, for me, for us, for the church. It's God's love for us that has put us in His family. Even though we are so undeserving and unworthy of that, it's God's grace towards us in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That, that our righteousness is, is imputed to us by our faith in Jesus, you guys. There, there, when we get to that place, we can find rest. And because of that rest, then we will know peace through Jesus. But we will not understand that peace until we know the grace of God. And that's why Paul always puts grace before peace. He continues on, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. 
it's interesting because we really, we really don't know anything about the, the origin of how the Church of Rome started. We really don't. There's not really much spoken of about that. But, but it does show us that the gospel did spread in Rome. And, and Paul was thankful for, for the good reputation in the Church of Rome because it's a location at this time, you guys. It, it was the center. It was the Mecca city of the world. It, it was the center of the world at this time. The powerhouse. The big dog, so to speak. And because of its location, because of the reputation of the city, because of what the city was at this time, that this church, especially, it had a special visibility. It had a special opportunity to, to glorify Jesus throughout this empire at this time. And Paul was thankful for the reputation that it showed. He continues on, he says, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. You guys, Paul wanted the Roman Christians, the Roman church to know that he is constantly in prayer for them. And he is constantly praying for an opportunity to visit them. He says that I, might, that I may find a way in the will of God to come see you, to come to you. And I love what he says here in verse 9. He says, he says, for God as my witness, whom I serve. As Paul is, is speaking about his prayer life, you guys, he is declaring God as his witness. He doesn't say, you know, with, with, with Timothy as my witness. He doesn't say with, with Peter or, or James. He doesn't say any of those apostles as my witness. He says, for God is my witness. Jesus says in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he says this. He says, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Paul is declaring his witness, you guys, to to the church. Speaking about his prayer life. How often, you guys, do we do that? Do we go into our prayer closet and truly just be with the Lord? One-on-one. I know I don't do it enough. But Paul, through his actions, it, it... is encouraging us to to do that. And he goes and say, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Because Paul's desire to, to visit the church in Rome, his prayer for the church in Rome was not merely just to give to them his, his wise counsel, his wise words. But he, his desire was to not only give to them, but to receive as well. Because Paul realized that their faith, their mutual faith, you guys, 
They had something to give to each other. Paul longed to see the Roman Christians. He longed to have fellowship with them. And in the same way, you guys, we as the body of Christ, we as the church, when we come together Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, Saturday mornings, whenever, we should desire to fellowship with each other to be edified, to be strengthened, to be encouraged. That's true fellowship right there. And Paul knew that desire for that. And we should be desiring that exact same thing when we come to, to fellowship. We should come desiring, we should come expecting edification, encouragement. Iron sharpening iron. Not just from each other, though, but from, from more importantly, from the Lord. He goes on to say, he says, I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. You guys, for a long time, Paul, he wanted to to visit this church in Rome. But obviously he was hindered by external circumstances, by worldly circumstances. We know Paul ran through a few issues here and there, right? Tried to get killed a couple times, was arrested a few times. You know, he had, he had a nice little rap sheet. So yeah, you can say he was, he was hindered, so to speak. You know, maybe some of the enemies of, of Paul implied that maybe he was afraid to go to Rome and, and preach the gospel in, in the big leagues, in the, in the Roman Empire, in the capital of the world. You know, that's not the case. He goes on to say that I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. You know, Paul recognized that he had something of a debt to Rome. You guys, the Roman Empire, after all, I mean, you think about this time, you know, they, they brought order to the world in, in a lot of ways. Transportation systems to the world. And a lot of those tools Paul was able to use in, in spreading the gospel. So what better way to may possibly repay his debt than to, than to teach the gospel, to spread the gospel in Rome? The good news of Jesus Christ. As Paul was, he was a tireless evangelist. He, he did not quit. He did not stop. He was working all over the world because he believed he had a debt to pay. And he owed it to the world and more importantly to Jesus Christ to do his best to repay the debt that Jesus paid for us. You see there in verse 15, he says, So as much as in me, he says this, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. I am ready, you guys. Are we able to say that confidently? We are ready. We are ready 
to preach the gospel. We are ready for the Lord to come. Can we boldly say that, like Paul is saying right now? I mean, you think about it. When Paul was first approached by the Lord, almost the first words out of his mouth were this. In Acts chapter 9, verse 6, says, Lord, what do you want me to do? In Romans, in this verse, in verse 15, Paul was ready to preach and to serve. In Acts 21, 13, Paul was ready to suffer. In 2 Corinthians 10, 6, Paul was ready to do unpleasant work. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, Paul was ready to die. You guys, this was a man who was ready to do the Lord's work. No matter what the cost. No matter what the obstacle. And and studying this, I was so convicted. Embarrassed even. Because I was like, man, can I say the same about myself? Mike always, uh, he created a a nice calm little word here that we call the yeah, but. I need you to do this. Oh, yeah, but. Oh, hey, Jay, I need you to go do that. Yeah, but. It's a nasty little thing. Paul stomped on that, though. Paul's given us a, a fantastic, an amazing example, guys, of how we should live our lives for Jesus, for the Lord. Not letting the things of this world hinder us or, or stop us or scare us, but going at this world boldly with, with truth, with the love of Jesus. The same love that saves Paul time and time again from the enemy and from the world. And, and guys, don't get it twisted. Paul was a simple man. He was a man. He was a human being, just like you and me. But we should be encouraged that we ourselves can do these same type of works like Paul. If only we trust in the Lord. If only we live boldly for him. And we can do that through the reading of the word, with prayer, with worship, with constantly being in devotion to our Lord, you guys. When we are constantly in devotion, Lord, we will see the blessings. But we need to be in devotion to Him. Closing in, in verses 16 and 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. I love that. I am not ashamed of the gospel. You guys, this reveals... Paul's heart. In, in a sophisticated, humongous city like Rome, the, the capital of the world at the time, you would think someone would be embarrassed to, to speak about uh, our Jewish Savior who died on the cross for us. Surrounded by all these Romans. But Paul's not ashamed. Why? Why is he not ashamed? 
Well, we move on. He says, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. You guys, this is why Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. That a, a gospel that is centered on a crucified Savior. The crucified Savior. He knows that the gospel, that the good news of Jesus Christ has, has inherent power. We don't give it power. We don't give the word of God power, you guys. Newsflash for you guys. A lot of times, actually, it's quite the opposite. We hinder the power of God, right? We get in its way. But the gospel, you guys, the good news of what Jesus has done for us, it is so powerful. Praise God. It's truthful. Through the gospel, we, we see the righteousness of God that comes through faith. Which is in contrast with our righteousness by, by works. You, you think about it, throughout history, you guys, men and women, throughout history, always, in some way, shape, or form, try to be righteous uh, of their own accord, of their own works. Right? We try to do things ourselves. Because we're prideful. We think we can, we can do it ourselves. Put a little spit on your hands, rub them together, let's get to work. Do you know the Pharisees? They, they, they tried to be righteous of their own works. But if we go back to Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, it says this. It says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that it's going to take a heck of a lot more righteousness than even those of the scribes, of the Pharisees, to, to, to reach heaven. But as we accept Jesus Christ by, by faith, you guys, through faith, Jesus gives us righteousness. Only through Jesus, though. Not by Paul, not by Timothy or James or John, but through Jesus. And when we stand in righteousness, just as Paul is doing right here, just as we're going to see him continue to do throughout the Word of God, you guys, we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. We can come boldly to the world with the gospel, to our loved ones with the gospel, to our friends, our enemies. And he ends with this. He says, the just shall live by faith, in verse 17. As the the, the revelation of God's righteousness comes comes to those with faith. And when we have faith, you guys, we'll live justly. That's what Paul's desire for the Roman church, that was Paul's desire for the Roman church. That's what God's desire is for the church today, for us today. And when we come to faith, when we come boldly, watch what the Lord does. Watch the amazing works that He does in each and every one of you. Just like we start off in that story with with John Wesley and and the revival that he started because of the words uh, of the book of Romans, because of the word of God. 
So be encouraged tonight, church, as, as we close tonight. Be bold in your faith of Jesus. And, and watch what he does in your lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we have amazing men like Paul, Lord, to show us what it means to, to truly live for you. But we are encouraged by it. And I hope some of us are even convicted by it, Father God. And so as we close out tonight, Father God, we thank you for your encouragement, Father God. We ask that you just be made known in this world, Father God. I pray that there would be revival through your faith, Father God, through your Son Jesus, in us, through us. I pray that revival would start in our own hearts and then that we would reach out to those, Father God. And so we thank you, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, we glorify you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen, you guys. Well, if you guys need a prayer, I'll be up here. Pastor Mike will be up here. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your week.